Welcome to the Rat Tribe podcast. I've got Afi and David as usual, and we've got Luco as well. Uh, how's it going, Luco? Nice to meet you. Yeah, great stuff. This been hearing all about this, you know what I mean? So I don't yeah. know what to expect, you know what I mean? <laughs> expect nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and then go from there. <laughs> yeah, I people are going to leave the band if I say something bad, you know. <laughs> well, David sent me over um, a little biography of you and in your tunes as well. And I've been listening yeah. to that at work. Um, in particular, uh, Modern Day Magic, which I All thought, right. I said to David, what was the words I used, David? Was it exquisite? <laughs> Shite, I think you said. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's been on a compilation the last year in uh, in France. It was um, it was to do with the fires in um, in Portugal, what they get every year. And it's like, uh, it was a charity thing, you know, so they call orphans. So ah. you get online, you know what I mean? It's... Uh, yeah, we, we, we dedicate it to the people, to firefighters, when we played in Portugal last year in Oliol. So it's some, yeah, it, people picked up on that one. It's a long track, you know what I mean? It's about, I don't know, 10 minutes or some eight minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the musicianship on it, when I was listening to it, is just, um, it, it, don't take this the wrong way, but I hate yeah. you a little bit. Yes, yeah, because right. because I was reading your bio- biography and listening to your music, and to me, it seems like you know exactly what you want. And for and for me, I struggle with that. My mind's a bit all over the show. But you you sound like you've got a very firm grip on. I don't know everything. All the sounds sound like they're I don't know premeditated. I don't know if that's something you think or. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I, I mean, what it is, it, it's like. Um... With, with the gigs we've done over the last few years, it's never been right, you know what I mean? It's like because we never had the kind of the right personnel to put the right sounds together. But it's um, it needs a, a bit of a job, really, you know what I mean? You can't just go out and do that, really. It's like we, we, we took a risk, we let the cattle out of the bike, but um, we've got it's, it's a lot better than what, we, what we're doing now in the studio, it's completely different, man, and it's something else, you know. So we we really need to build up with the right team, we can't, we can't just go out and play it. We're pissing in the wind a little bit with that, do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, but yeah, Jamie, it's. Um, how how do you go about writing? There's a lot, there's loads of ideas to come. How do you go about writing something like that? Because, like, usually for me, I'm just, I, I'm quite like dense. So I think uh, verse, <laughs> chorus, bridge. Usually with us, it's like a, a daft sort of verse, um, a chorus where I'm shouting like a dog, and then a, a weird bridge, and then I think, right, job done, whatever. And then we'll add little bits and pieces. But for that, it's yeah. it's like, I remember reading your biography, and um, I know you like, is it Bellator films you like? Yeah, of course I do, yeah. So my favourite films were Meister Harmonies, and but like oh. I could, I could, yeah, I could just yeah. picture that song on there. You know, like, I don't know, as they were going through the hospital or something like that, it just, yeah. it, it's... It is a soundscape, it's a complete, I can just see it in films, you know what I mean? Is that a, something that you've been thinking that you want to do? Or It's been a massive influence, really, you know, since I was in Damnation years ago, do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, uh, yeah, the, the Vertmeister Harmonies is, is fantastic, man. That, that um, I forgot the guy's name, his composer, he, he has like, it's like a David Lynch thing where he uses like Angelo Badalamenti and he has this other guy, and I can't just... Mahali Vig. Of... Sorry? Mahali Vig. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Mihal, Mihal Vig, yeah, he's, uh, I think he's, in, they're Hungarian, you know. Yeah. And uh, what they do is, it's just, he captures the moment. I think he did something with Scorsese. Oh. You know what I mean? I think that's where Bellator kind of got become really popular. So we're doing these really unusual scenes, like in The Taxi Driver and stuff like that. I think oh. it were him, I think it was him, you know. 
But um, yeah, man, massive influence, that kind of black and white stuff as well, you know, that melancholic thing. But a lot of my ideas come from dreams and stuff, lucid dreams, and um, I can write a piece, like, instantly, you know what I mean? I usually, like, most of it's in my head, just like, and I can do it within a few minutes. So Modern Day Magic, we've done, like, um, it were in two sections, that, really. The introduction were kind of done from the dream, and the other bit was, uh, I had a kind of, um, oh, I met this woman, and uh, yeah, it's usually that, isn't it? Sounds yeah. cheap, that, doesn't it? But like, it, she, she were into, um, she's probably listening. Uh, <laughs> uh, she were into sort of the, um, what's, the, what's the word really? Into the Wickham stuff, you know? Hmm. And I, I think a lot of the words are about that, really. Yeah. <laughs> I got that vibe. It's very witchy. It's, it's it, yeah. like I said to David when I was trying to describe it. It, sound, it does before I before I heard the, looked at the title because I just had it on like I was just listening to the thing through uh, headphones. I said yeah. it sounds magic. It sounds really witchy, and I don't know. It's <laughs> oldy timey but modern. It's, it's yeah, really, yeah. It, blew, it blew my mind really when I was listening to it because I didn't realise there was that sort of caliber of music around locally, and it really is. You know, it sets a really high bar. It's kind of metaphor of a few things, do you know what I mean, going on, you know what I mean? It's always got that, you know, it's not like got one meaning to every, you know, the tunes I do. I've always got about three or four meanings to it, really. Mm. But um, so it makes it easier for Dave to do all the visuals. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes down to me in the end, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's, the next yeah. that's, that's the next thing. What were you thinking around the visuals, David? What sort of thing were you, uh, uh, did you have in mind? Well, unlike yours it's like uh it's more it is more dreamlike uh but i'm trying to mix things that people have forgotten about you know like uh, <clears throat> a lot of people now are used to like big blockbusters and things like that but when you're talking about luco you, I, I know what kind of films he likes and what yeah because he keeps sending me numerous <laughs> texts with <laughs> I'd seen yeah. most of them, which is good. And mm. and uh, I was brought up watching film. Um, in fact, I didn't even know we had a colour television for ages because my dad had just watched black and white films constantly. Do you not think there's a bit of magic in black and white TV, though? Because I remember watching Scrooge yeah. with my grandma and we'd watch it in July and shit because it was a favourite film. And yeah. that Alistair Sim Scrooge, I don't know, there's oh, something really that is magic one. about it. Yeah. yeah, it's the best one. Yeah. It's, it's storytelling it's yeah. storytelling visually like you've got blockbusters which kind of lost the way a little bit you've got you've got people making explosions in a crayon factory yeah. mixed with these massive yeah. amounts of music but they're depending on that rather than storytelling whereas uh, if you look at these old films what you've got is um, storyline a lot of them didn't have a budget so they had to depend on storyline and mm. um, once you, you use storyline and character development, any visual effects, okay, you, you don't want them ropey, but you don't need to overdo it with it because it's it's more about how you tell a story. And I think that's lost nowadays. I think there's, there's if anything, the, the genre that's using it the most is horror films. Yeah. What was that film? I've not, I've, I fell asleep watching it, but it, it did intrigue me a lot. That Lighthouse film. Oh, The Lighthouse. So I need, I need to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the one. <laughs> I need to rewatch that because I was, I was, I fell asleep watching it and my kid's downstairs, she's eight, and me, Mrs. was uh, playing on a game or something, and I fell asleep 
and she's woke me up, Jamie, Jamie, wake up. So I'm like, what? She goes, don't tell her shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to knock it off because it was like a sex scene, so I don't know. There's but, a lot uh, of masturbation yeah. in that film. Uh, <laughs> maybe I probably should have had it on my kid there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, maybe I'll uh, watch that on my own. But, but the, the, way <laughs> the way they filmed that, though, was amazing. They did it on uh, traditional film. They painstakingly put the set so that they could move flawlessly between the two. And the tonality of the entire film is beautiful. Mm. Even if the, what's happening on the screen is kind of vile, circa, you know, what I just said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, masturbation. But, you know, like, it just looks so beautiful. You can't draw your eyes away. Even things like that, though, like, <laughs> I know it's vile and all that sort of stuff, but it, it can be done in an artistic way. Do you know, does that make sense? Like, I know even yeah, if it's something totally. as like crude as that, it, it can still be done, and, ma- and, and it can be made to look artistic. I, I yeah. think sometimes we just go, "Oh God, whoa. like you know, like a, yeah. a, a, a critic would." Oh, this just ranking. But no, there's there's more to it. You well, know, it's the same just... as like um, James Joyce when he wrote Ulysses. It was, I think it was the first instance of somebody writing about somebody taking a shit in literature. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was, and people hated the book because of it. Thought it was disgusting. <laughs> But now it's like one of the best books ever written. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because this is what we do. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's that inventiveness that yeah. seems to have been lost somehow. Yeah, it's get that way. Yeah, it's it's about inv- honestly. I always believe in that thing, and uh, that's the, that's the scary bit about modern life today. You know what I mean? It's like the, the creative thing, the the inventiveness. I mean, we need that. It's really yeah. important, massively mm. important for kids at school. Do you know what I mean? The way they getting lost into the smartphones, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you feel like um, we're sort of losing ourselves um, because of what we can do online? We can just put this, like, persona up and yeah. then just, like, we can make make ourselves, like, this carbon copy of a human. I don't, whereas... I don't think that's right. I don't think it's that we're losing ourselves through technology. I think we, we've got technology, but I don't think humanity's moving yeah. fast enough to keep up with how to use technology and you you see that a a lot with when you start looking into things like quantum computers Mm. which are mind-boggling uh people don't really know what to do with it yeah you sent me a video and i didn't have a clue what going on in the way of how to use it as a normal computer yeah right but the the idea that (laughs) i mean when you go into quantum theory in fact you're talking about multiple dimensions all time time happening at the same time and these are concepts that go beyond what regular joe in the street would comprehend yeah maybe one of them (laughs) (laughs) but but how how do they do that how do you use technology in the right way Mm -hmm. and i mean in my artwork i've started using it um, in a different way, but I've kind of mixed what I know about traditional painting mm. and photography and what I'm learning about how to create on the computer. And I think one of the things that's helped me is the fact that I keep getting pushed into the deep end with what yeah. people want. And I have to then visualize all this stuff and to do it in one type of way, it's almost impossible. Mm. So I have to then think, how do I use this, this and this to create this, which needs to be completely different from everything else. 
<laughs> oh, <laughs> you really there. my paper. <laughs> so, in terms of um, in terms of like technology yourself, Luke, are, are you on board with that sort of stuff, or do you sort of stay away from it? Um, well, I've been reading up about it a lot late recently. I'm a bit gormless, really, when it comes to that. But, uh, right. Okay. I, years ago, I was into like um, like a Tory ST and stuff like that. You know. Oh, okay. Because it was yeah. a great way of doing it. You know. It's not that long ago, really. It's 20 odd years ago when you were doing that kind of stuff. And um, I got into the uh, G4, the, the Mac G4, do you know what I mean? Okay. Kind of, um, so I'm just holding this up here. It's <laughs> <a bit laughs> um, honestly, I've just got um, my Akai sampler running again. And I've been mm. playing samples from like 20 odd years ago when they were recording them in the mill, just not not far from here, like, you know. So all right. these crank sounds and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get my head around Reaper at the moment. Right, um, right. But, you know, it's, it's more like the plane thing. I'm glad that we have that, really, that element to be able to, we, we can break everything down to complete silence, like, and just play to the sky, you know what I mean? Mm. No electricity. We, that's, that's the way I like it to be, but... Yeah, I love, I love technology in the sense of how we can move modern technology and the old stuff together. It's definitely a blend. New Warrior would go for that, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, and then you've got like people like Chemical Brothers where they're taking it to an extreme, but they're still trying to make songs out of it as well, which I like about them, you know? Yeah. But yeah, technology is good, man, for music, yeah. It was a bit of a blast from the past, really, because you added me on Facebook and I didn't really realise who you were yeah. or anything like that. Um, and David said, oh, you were in the burn. I'm like when I went to college, there was Especially posters all over. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there was there was posters all over the place in the burn, the burn, the burn. I just remember it um, yes. from when I was like fifteen and that. Right. What, was was that a project that ended quite a while back then, or? Uh, the burn was like um, well, I, I kind of had a thing with Danny. You know, we taught Danny Davidson guitar and Rod, and uh, we sat. We, well, more like classical stuff. I was teaching them guys because I think they were doing blues with some other guy later on. Mm. And it didn't take them long to get signed from that, really, because they didn't really know much. And within a year, they were signed to a record label. Right. Which was crazy, really, which was like what recordings. And that, that was like December 2000 when I kind of did some stuff with them until about 2003. Right. I was playing a lot of it, like Oasis, uh, Weller, you know, them kind of things, uh, Cast, um, I Am Clutes, lo loads of things going on there, really. Right. Um, yeah, we have an experience of learning curves of like seeing what the industry will like. Mm. Um, and there is some weirdos in the industry, you know what I mean? You know, they just kind of come from out the woodwork and you think, who the hell are these guys? Have you got any tales um, or? And they, they were sniffing for the money kind of thing because the label obviously had a bit of money at the time for that project yeah. and they're throwing money at bands in them days. Yeah. And, and that kind of, that changed in 2003 really. Um, yeah, I mean, just things happen. I think that's the time when things with the downloads were coming in, you know what I mean? And Napster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they were, you know, Napster were massive at uh, ripping Metallica off and stuff like that. And mm. um, CDs were starting to deteriorate a little bit. And yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was about 2003, 2004 when I seen a massive change in the industry. Right. Did you feel like maybe they should have offered that service as a paid thing quicker? Because I mean, they sort of wanted to like keep it at bay, didn't they? Like, oh, we're not going to stream music, we're not going to do this. But, you know, I know this technology was kind of primitive at the time compared to what it is now. But they were, there was no option to download music until Apple, I think, did it, didn't they? Um, before mm -hmm. Napster. Um, so do you not feel like maybe they should have like realised where it was going instead of saying no, we're not doing that. We're definitely not downloading music. 
Yeah, yeah, it was, it was just a bit of a, an experiment, I think, at the beginning, really. Do you know what I mean? And it's just gone out of order, like they have with um, the social network, with Facebook and stuff. You know what I mean? They didn't realise how big it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I mean, Spotify. I know it gives an opportunity to get exposure, but it's just ruining the musicians. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, no one's getting paid, are they? Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible, mate. Really, I think I got hundred thousand players in about first two quid or something. You know what I mean? Jesus. <laughs> and then you have to resort to doing stupid podcasts and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, because it's like, I think everyone's just sort of walking through the wilderness at the minute, aren't they trying to figure out how to, I don't know. Maybe it's always like this, like something new comes out, people don't know what to do with it, and then mm. it's like the Wild West, Yeah. and then it levels out. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Maybe it'd be cool not to download soon, you know what I mean? It might be like the young generation will be thinking about another way, you know? Not mm. cool to have a mobile phone, you know, it's not cool to do this online. <laughs> yeah, well things come I mean, and go, don't they? Be changing, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, back in the day people were driving Rolls Royces into swimming pools, musicians and that. <laughs> and now, you know, they're getting 32,000 players and getting three quid or whatever, so <laughs> things do change. Yeah. <laughs> I always think that with football, like, things always go up and down. And you know, football's yeah. on this massive, like, high at the minute. Like like everything crashes team. down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like Rovers. I mean, when, back in there, I remember watching a few games when they won Premiership when I was Absolutely. a kid. And, and now it's, you know, chickens on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah obviously, Maltira. We had him, didn't we? But, you know, I can't believe it. You know, the best guy ever down at Eagle Park. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching a, I'm reading a news article today. Um, I think it's nine years since Gary Speed died. I think he, I think he committed suicide. I'm not 100% sure. Gary Speed? Gary Speed. Wow, yeah, I remember, yeah. And they were close with Shearer, and I think his uh, ex-wife and manager, uh, Shearer put something on about work on the uh, on some social social media somewhere, maybe a tweet, yeah. and she attacked him for it. And it's like, well, it's been nine years, you know what I mean? If we had a lot to live our life off bloody stuff yeah. like that, we won't get it done. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what about Maradona? Kick it bucket, kick it bucket and all. Uh -huh. Crazy stuff, really, you know. You're a genius, weren't you? You know what I mean? Yeah. Completely. Yeah. I think he had a cardiac yeah, arrest, so... The England fans are going a bit mad, aren't they? Some of them are like, you know, why are you praising this guy who's like, put it in with his hands? I think yeah. there's a lot more to it than that, though. I think it was to do with the Argentina, like, the Falklands and stuff, and... He, yeah. he said something mm. like, uh, I'm, I throw my life against this ball, or something yeah. like that, in some interview I've seen. Mm. And it was like, um, I mean, that goal, the second goal he scored, man, it, that, that is oh, yeah. It's just... Yeah. It's phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah, me and Athy were talking before this. He kind of twitches it with his foot and it just creates space. It's like that is magic on its own, just that one move. Yeah, yeah. Me, me and Athy were talking, weren't we? It's like you run through they're all over the middle of the legs, and they're like nutmegs on everybody. We just, it's just the way he ran. I mean, it's it was five foot five. Yeah, I find that. Okay, was he? Shit. It jumps yeah. higher than Peter Shilton for that ball, do you know what I mean? Even though yeah. it's a <laughs> yeah, yeah, Peter Shilton weren't very happy about it, were he? But, uh, oh, you know, it's it's actually be. been the most uh, calmest about it. I, mean, I think Terry Butcher was the one who wound up about it more than anybody else, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, but that second goal, though, when Butcher ran through it, and he, and he could see him, his face, his expression, because there was yeah. no way to catch him, and there was, no, there was no cheating there at all, do you know what I mean? That were a genuine yeah. goal, you know what I mean? Well, Lineker actually asked him, he said, um, do you think it was cheating? And he said, no, it was cunningness. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Definitely. <laughs> as it was. So, in terms of um, 
film. Let's go back to film. What what are some of your favourite films that have sort of shaped maybe not just your, uh, your music but maybe your life as well? Um, being there, Peter Sellers. Okay, I don't think I've seen that one. Have you it's, seen that, Laffy? He's, yeah, he's absolutely so genius. Really it's his last film he ever did, and it would be coming this guy who he played in Mr. Chance. But it's, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You have to watch it. He wanted yeah, to make that. it for quite a while. Yeah, he did. He? he wanted to make it. He, he would turn him into this kind of guy, you know what I mean? He was a bit of a um, recluse in a sense for Peter Sellers, you know what I mean? He was really funny as hell, you know what I mean? But like, on the other side, he was a really depressed guy, you know? You um, find that quite a lot, I suppose, don't you? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, what I do is I suffer from that badly, man. You know what I mean. Some days it's yeah. Do, terrible. do you think it's like when it's depression and it's uh, uh, somebody who's intelligent or uh, has a particular talent that people revere? Mm. Do you think that then the fact that they put on a pedestal and maybe just keep do, you, you start becoming detached from them? Mm. Uh, well. Did you ever see? I mean, I'm a massive fan of Reeves and Mortimer, and um, Vic Reeves went on that um, celebrity thing yeah. uh, in the jungle thing. Jesus Christ, it was like a completely different person. He yeah. just yeah. looked down, really, you really tend down. To find it a lot with comedians, that it's, yeah. it's like ninety percent of comedians are all depressed. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it is yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. who else was the other one? Uh, Jim Carrey. John, yeah, Jim Carrey. Uh, Jim Carrey, yeah. yeah. Jim Carrey and Robin Williams. Mm. He's come out with a lot of stuff, hasn't he, recently, about, you know, uh, about the truth, about a lot of things, you know what I mean? It's like, really, I was opened up. I mean, I will never be shown in Hollywood ever again. Yeah. For the main, for the, I don't know, I think he's kind of... I think he's, I think what he's done is... Uh, Honestly? Yeah, I mean, maybe he's gone through something, I don't know the whole story. Yeah. But, but it's like he was trying to redefine what reality is as a person. So, like, his point of view of how... Mm. you see yourself fitting within society and is society itself real in itself you know like is this really happening do i it is what i'm doing creating something in front of me you know yeah did, did you watch the documentary where he played um andy kaufman um, oh, yeah. Man Man the moon. There's, yeah. there's a documentary called jim and andy and in the documentary, he really thinks he became Andy Kaufman. Like, yeah. he thinks that his spirit entered him. And he's, even his family were calling him Andy. Yeah. I mean, for me, that is just, like, that's a bit scary. Because if I lost someone, yeah. and someone was playing them, and I started yeah, thinking yeah. that was them, it's a complete detachment from reality. It's a bit scary. Yeah. Really. That's a good actor. But they said, they said he, went, he went too far with it, whereas he became a... A caricature of what he thought Andy was. Yeah. Whereas real Andy mm. wasn't as full on as that. No. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. What other films you, um, sort of thing do you, uh, you like as well? I'd say one, one of the really, yeah, another top one is um, Dead Poets Society. Oh, I love that film. Yeah. There's another, there's another comedian, Robin Williams. Just yeah. standing on my furniture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it, honestly, it, that that to bring inspiration for youngsters. You know what I mean? Yeah. About like living your dream kind of thing and um, yeah. or just Captain doing, my captain. It, yeah, captain my captain. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but it, it was just the way he, he given that insight of doing something, and I think that's what we're lacking. Like we're talking about the inventiveness. This with um, it was an unorthodox way of doing stuff, and I'm thinking. I've always believed in that. I yeah. always thought oh, school me. I always questioned everything. Do you mm. know what I mean? And uh, I, I, I do ask a lot of questions. Yeah. And I think really that's what we should be doing. I think people are scared of doing that. They feel a bit like, you know, they're uh, 
oh yeah, I'm, I'm asking questions. Like some people don't want to make mistakes. I don't care anymore. Yeah. You know, just, I just think, do it. I think it. sometimes you can you can feel maybe now more than ever because we're all online that we have yeah. this microscope on us and everyone's critiquing every single move that you make and yeah. and some people are petrified of of coming out of that. I mean, like with our band, I've always been um, really forward on sort of uh, satire to start with, but yeah. sort of pushing where you can go with free speech as well and not being too worried about PC um, sort of stuff. But I know a lot of people, like they'll just write the lyrics and it'll be like, I love you, you love me, we're a happy family, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's like, you've got to break out of that as soon as you can, I think, mm. else you just... You're, you're very normal and that's it and, and no one yeah. cares <laughs> about yeah. normal because none of us are I also think if you become comfortable in what you're doing then you're doing something wrong Bobby said that didn't mm. it if you're not comfortable <laughs> you're dead yeah. yeah exactly Yeah, just churning the same thing out and not developing yeah of course. is there any other films as well uh, Luke or yeah I mean uh, do you know I'll, I'll tell you what I mean, I'm, I'm trying to say something a bit more popular like Christmas Carol with uh, Patrick Stewart, I just think the whole concept concepts of like um, I love it. I watch it. Yeah, Patrick Stewart plays uh, Scrooge. I mean, he's a Scrooge in it, and uh, I just love it. It's um, it's the I, I like Dickens. I like his stories, you know. Yeah. And it's the thing in the end, how, how the mint stingy bugger becomes really generous, you know. Yeah, that transformation of mm. yeah. I mean, I just I just um, every Christmas I watch it about twenty times. It sounds crazy. Yeah. But I do, but, no, no. It's, it's one of those, so, 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 some sort of films like you just can't like I say I, I used to watch Scrooge with my grandma in July you know she yeah. absolutely loves that film and, um, it's be, and something like sorry go on, I was going to say it's got to be Home Alone for me for Christmas films yeah <laughs> but it is it's that sort of like um, like sometimes it can feel like people can't change and people are destined to sort of just go through the motions or be these horrible buggers all their life so to see it even if it's just a film you know it can give some people hope to it yeah, definitely, mate. Absolutely. I mean, I like well, Damnation. I like the Damnation one. Uh, and I like... Um, oh, there's, there's loads of stuff. You like Lynch as well, though. Uh, oh, David Lynch, you know, it's another, it's, it's another topic, and it's like... I love um, Lost Highway. Yeah. I, I like Eraserhead because it's just the most strangest film I've ever seen. And uh, I like um, Fire Walk With Me. I mean, I, I will kind of... I mean, some of that has been inspired in, and the band I used to be in years ago called The Bond. And um, we did a piece called Chris Ross and Snowbound where we were like, stuck in the studio for about two or three days. And it was like, it, it was about 1994, 95, and it had, it had drifted on, you know, we couldn't get out. So we, we did this piece. We were recording like uh, the, the, the sequence of the track. And what we're doing, we're going outside, just breaking outside a little bit, you know, into the porch way and recording back with a microphone and then inserting that. Look, this is technology, you know. <laughs> Clipping the, we're doing that kind of sampling and, and, and inserting the, the piece, what you just recorded, into the piece again, kind of thing. So you can hear all right. the dogs walking and like lots of cars passing by, hissing and stuff. And um, oh, yeah, you played with that the other day. But that was inspired. Sorry, I do want a bit of a bender. It's, it's, it's inspired <laughs> by like that thing from Twin Peaks, you know, that like bam, bam. Yeah. It's why not. Angelo Badalamente, I think. He's a genius. Have you have you watched the document the interview with him where he's talking about how he made it? And uh, he's, yeah, got, he's, he's got David Lynch going, No, I want it more like this, and he just does it. And it's like that that for me is like that's where magic happens in music where you can just because <laughs> yeah. I can't talk. Um 
in theory. I have no theory knowledge at all. So I'll, we'll be in the room and we'll be making the music, we'll be making a song, and I'll be like, right, we've got to make it sound like uh, a wolf. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? What does that even mean? I'm like, no, you've got to do that. And I can only speak like that. So I can see where David Lynch is coming from because he's like, no, it needs to sound like she's going and she's coming back and, and all that sort of I can completely... He, he's really descriptive in it when he yeah. just talks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Trent Reznor was saying when he was doing, like, compiling Lost Highway, uh, <clears throat> it was doing the, the perfect drug theme on it. And uh, he got invited over to uh, Lynch's house and he said, oh, it was like a, a really nice uncle. So he's like really nice, he's really courteous and he's talking to you like he's... And then he, he goes, right, let's go for a walk. So he leads him up the top, top, to the top of the hill talking the entire time. And at the top of the hill, there's this meat with ants running around it. He says, can you reproduce that sound? <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's it it's like sometimes something like that is needed because you yeah. can sort of get bogged down in theory where you know everything but you're not feeling everything yeah amazing I just think one of the best you know what I mean and he's a nice person in real life isn't he though you're saying like, you know yeah he is yeah. the guy's genuine <laughs> he, he just seems to be all time doesn't he really yeah. well I've got a few films here for you Luke Cole. And we're going to play a little game. Well, it's, it's basically, there's two films here that are real. Made up. Have we got a name for this segment, by the way? Um, I don't know. Just, we'll have no. a think. Yeah. I'll have a think for it. But, um, <laughs> hopefully you've not seen any of these. So, <laughs> But uh, here we go. We'll, we'll start with this one. I killed my lesbian wife, hung her on a meat hook, and now I have a free picture deal at Disney. <laughs> a cocky director oh, named God. Richie Deedon is casting the lead actress for his first feature film. He discusses the process with his off-screen wife, becoming increasingly angry as he speaks. The director has selected Sandy, a young actress who is under the bed for some reason, and will finalise the deal in an upcoming meeting. Meanwhile, Sandy's roommate refuses to let her into the house as Sandy has failed to pay back a loan. After convincing her roommate that she will pay back once she gets the part, Sandy enters the house where she has a phone conversation with her controlling and unsupportive mother. It is revealed that the director's wife is gagged and tied to a meat hook in their living room. The director, a violent misogynist, feels disgraced by his wife's lesbianism. He praises Sandy's qualities, then kills his wife with an axe. The director continues his diatribe, declaring that he will invite Sandy to stay in the house with him while they make a film. So that's number one. You know, very so detailed. Do you, do you think that's real, or do you think that's made up by I my silly little mind? I reckon Wait, that is what real. What's the title again? The Shining. <laughs> the, title, <laughs> the title is "I Killed My Lesbian Wife, Hunger on a Meat Hook, and Now I Have a Free Picture Deal at Disney." Okay, no. Sounds like Leatherface. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like branching out. Are you ready for the next? Real. Do you think it's real? Maybe. Maybe. Or do you that, think it's something that's come from my mind? That was so detailed, though. I don't know. That was so detailed. Yeah, do you not think no. I'm capable of detail? I think you're incapable. Oh, <laughs> well, we'll find out. This we'll is the next out. film. I'll, although I did say that about the last one. I thought it was too detailed. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the next one. The Gay Bed and Breakfast of Terror. This is yours. <laughs> 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 On the eve of the biggest LGBT blowout of the year, five gay and lesbian couples find themselves having to make reservations at the secluded Sahara Salvation Inn. A leather-faced daddy, a closeted drag queen, a fag hag, lipstick lesbians, pink pound yuppies, a sugar daddy and his twink and a country singer and her baby dark girlfriend all check into the creepy hotel, oblivious to the peril that lurks. 
What should have been the party of the century quickly turns into every gay and lesbian's worst nightmare as they discover that the hotel's proprietor is a God-fearing gay basher with a penchant for mincemeat muffins. <laughs> if, that, if that wasn't bad enough, a snarling homosexual-eating Republican mutant starts to pick them off one by one. Feather bowers and strap-ons fly when the gays and the freaks go to battle, but who will make out alive? Right, if, if, you, if, if it turns out that you made this film, then I think you should be a writer for Hollywood because that was brilliant. Right, that, okay. that, that, that sounds amazing, that film. I'd love to well, watch you that. Like, you liked my last one. I did, yeah. Jamie's Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> that one was called The Gay Bed and Breakfast of Terror. Wow, that's graphic. Honestly, okay. yeah. I reckon you did make that, and I, if you did, I, yeah, I think you should be a writer. I think you, you should consider it. Yeah, okay. Right, well, the last one, uh, The Dick Furry. Oh, God. <laughs> the Dick Furry. The Dick Furry. <laughs> Ross Goldstein is a 10-year-old Jewish boy living in Brooklyn, New York. Life is seemingly normal for Ross until a life-defining meeting in a restaurant restroom. A tall, dark stranger glances over at Ross's quivering member and shrieks with terror. You see, Ross has a terrible secret. He was never circumcised at birth. <laughs> I was gonna the, stra- ask. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the stranger pulls Ross into an empty cubicle and recites the words, Foreskin, foreskin, full of mucus, put to work this foolish Judas. <laughs> With a click of his fingers, Ross shrinks uh, into the size of a rat as wings sprout out from his shoulder blades, sharp as raven's claws. The old man laughs hysterically as he bestows Ross's new title upon him, All Hail the Dick Furry. Ross is tasked with collecting the foreskins of recently circumcised Jewish boys whilst trying to please his new master. That is until he finds out what his master plans to do with his collection. Fucking hell. Uh, I I know, I know. So, which do you think is real? I'll give you the titles again, just so you you know them. So the first one was, I killed my lesbian wife, hung her on a meat hook, and now I have a free picture deal at Disney. The second was, The Gay Bed and Breakfast of Terror. And the third, the Dick Fairy. I reckon it's between one and two is, is your fake one. Between I one and know. two. I think I know. I think you might be number one. No, I think it's number three because Jamie has a penchant for <laughs> and he drops some of his lyrics in there. <laughs> okay, what does everyone think? Interesting. Um, well, Dave might be right. It's like uh, it could be between one and three. It could be. What do you reckon? What are you going to go with? Sorry. I forgot the I forgot your name, mate. Sorry, Jamie. It's okay. It's no, okay. No, not Jamie. Not the other. Not the other guy. Affy. Yeah. I, I've seen your face before as well. Like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I know Jamie. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, Affy. Yeah. Well, Affy was saying then one and three. I reckon. So, yeah. Maybe maybe three then. Mm. I I, three. I, I'm gonna go to. I, I think it was two. And I, I hope it. I hope. I hope it's two. I hope right. you made two. I hope that's yours. It sounds crazy. Now I know I know more people like Jim Morrison than I do, but I sort of messed up with a Jim Morrison there, didn't I? Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> uh-huh. <number> three. <laughs> oh shit! And I've, I've realised as well um, that the last I've only done this twice, and both the titles have Dick in them. Is that something I should be worried about? Maybe. <laughs> I didn't go for three because it was another dick one, and I was like, ah, I yeah. didn't another dick. Well, oh. I tried to like try and you know try and be sneaky and stuff. <laughs> but there you go. It was number three. So well done, David and Luke. Although you were, you got it right there. I think we're gonna um, have a little break for some music. We're gonna play some of Luke's music if that's okay, Luke. Yeah. Oh, please don't. So we'll, we'll play from uh, one of the uh, the EP like you told me. That's all right. All right. Sounds. Right. You know. 
radiation, radiation, radiation. A long time coming from the back wall, it's like watching brothers, like watching mothers, like watching others. These fake reality will strip away your dreams. Play some Luco's music if that's okay, Luco. Yeah, oh, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll, we'll play from uh, one of the uh, the EP that you sent over. That's all right. All right, sound. Right, you know. Right, and we're back to it. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, back with, <laughs> we're back with Luco for that lovely tune. So, um, so yeah, what, what have you been doing in uh, lockdown, Luco? Is there anything in particular, or? Um, I think that's what you do. Yeah, it's like playing Misfits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, um, I've probably done three things. Um, go to the supermarket. Um, probably do a bit of walking sometimes, you know, and um, just go into the studio. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's been me on my own, really. 
it's just like uh, I spent a couple of 11 hour days in there just like um, reading manuals and uh, <laughs> right. just 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 writing stuff you know do you feel like you've learned some new skills then during lockdown or you've took up filming and photography yeah yeah of course we have yeah we've been doing um, a bit of going on location taking um, doing some really good films like time-lapse stuff all right recording loads of sounds and stuff like that you know what i mean um building my sound library up with dave so we've been doing some like little expeditions some good do's really mm. um and what were you, sorry what were you saying before jamie says something else uh just i thought uh, i was wondering if you learned any more skills and all that sort of thing because i know a lot yeah. of people have been talking about too um, of sort of uh i think yeah we're going into the technology side when we're talking about technology I, i'm trying to get more into that really because mm. um, I kind of looked like it's a bed a little bit since I was at uni because in 2000 I was using like Soundforge and Cubase. Right. And I'm thinking Reaper's alright, you know, because it's like a free thing and you've got to pay £50 for license after a, a month of having it or whatever. Um, I think it's a good thing to get into, really. So, yeah, I'm trying to sequence stuff a bit more and move um, a lot of samples into the sequences and stuff and start to... Um, create a new foundation really to right. play all the all the stuff we have along with your sequence pattern so is this so, the yeah. studio that you've got yourself or is it a studio local that you use it's or? um it's it's what we have we uh me just but it's the band really we all we all chip into it yeah so right, it's like right. we rent it just rent a room oh that's cool so i yeah. mean because We've always been studios, and um we've had mixed sort of uh experiences i think in studios we always have a laugh um, but sometimes the output isn't always what we've been yeah. been after. So I mean, that's I guess complete control for you. Um, is it who does the recording for you? Is it yourself or? Yeah, we do it on our own. I mean, we have uh, we do it in Portugal as well. Oh. it's been out of question. But we did have a big plan for Portugal this year. We had about fifteen dates cancelled. Oh. Uh, like we had, um, I think there were nine dates in March. They were kind of the Pompeii Meteoric. It's like a combination of two bands. Like, there's a band called Riding the Meteor from Portugal. Uh, I went to the university with a guy called Davis Souza, and Davis introduced me to some guys from Porto and uh, around the Algarve, and they, they, stuck, they have a band called Riding the Meteor, and um, we um, we recorded stuff at the Box Music Studios, what Davis has. So it's kind of, we have a, like a session drum and a session bass player in Portugal. But last year we went over, did a gig in Olio, and uh, we had Paolo Franco, the Portuguese drummer we have, and we had uh, the rest of the guys. Well, Dan didn't come here, so, you know, we wanted Dan to come over, but he didn't make it. Right. Uh, um, he, had, he had a lot of work and stuff like that, you know. But, um, What's yeah, it like we, um, playing in Portugal compared to the UK? Because I know a lot of people that go abroad um, tend to find a better experience. Yeah, I mean, they look after you a bit more, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of... Um, I think there were 17 people at the table when we were, just before we played, and that were all the crew. And the band and we had a meal three course meal fantastic food <laughs> wow uh, and all the, honestly all the be i mean russell came and sean you know me sean yeah. Berry, russell, uh, russell 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 the bread did <laughs> <laughs> we had russ coming over and they, they did a really good job with us you know what i mean it's like um we've liked the sets and we kind of um it was yeah honestly i think it, it, it made us more relaxed really we had a bit more time to set up we had a perfect room we had a, a film crew with four camera angles um so yeah i mean we were relaxed it's, it's all about being that and, and how they treat you is uh they make sure you have a good meal and you've got all the ale you want and stuff and wine and that top quality not like 
tossed his... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, why do you think the UK falls down like that? Why do you think the UK is like sort of lacking in that respect? I don't know, really. I think uh, just things have changed, really, you know. Um, people are not going out as much and uh, they, they can't really afford to pay the artists. Um, over there, you know, they, they kind of they get the demands. I don't know, they, they kind of... Um, I think we need to stick together more. We need to kind of come out with another solution, really. Crowdfunding kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, uh, have a club where you pay mm. a pound a week or something like that. You know, you get, like, so many members and it got, kind of goes to the artists. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the way of doing it. So, so in Portugal, is, is it sort of... Is it, are the crowds better or bigger, or...? Yeah, they can be. They can be. Um, you know, especially the, the last venue we played uh, in Oliao, I think, like well, the day of the revolution day, you know what I mean, when plays, so they were like, most of the people had gone to that event, but uh, yeah. still about 50 people who turned up and seen us, you know. Right. And it really, yeah, I mean, they, they really, they really kind of a bit more, I don't know, they're into Western, you know, they like the English and American music, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that kind of helps really, you know, it's sort of, um, they kind of look at you a bit more interesting, like because you're from Northern England, you know, like near Manchester. Yeah, yeah, I see. So, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's like foreign bands. I like a lot of international music, you know what I mean? It's like, um, I kind of get excited by it, like they do with us kind of thing. Yeah. And they're all really good cover bands as well. Like, you know, you get a lot of, um, they're like a bossa nova style and they'll add like a, you know, like a kind of virtue or something like that, you know what I mean? Oh, ah, like right. I mean, yeah, yeah. but they're really good musicians. Yeah, yeah. They are, and and yeah. I mean, I just kind of have, have that thing with Portugal. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, uh, we, we've kind of done it with Mexico and stuff like that, and uh, Spain is a bit of a Spanish influence. I mean, I was doing a lot with the Institute of Cervantes a few years ago in Manchester, where we're bringing bands from Catalonia into mm. Manchester, and um, that were, that was quite an interesting thing as well. You know, what I mean, it's like uh, I just find there's a lot of talented people who don't get recognised because of. The American market and the British market, kind of thing, and uh, mm. people get overlooked. You know what I mean? It's like there's a band called Ponyhawks from Paris. I think they're fantastic. I mean, they play me some of the stuff all the week, and you know the Parisian guys, aren't they? I think they yeah. are. And, and but it's great. But nobody, hardly anybody knows about them. Yeah, it's, it feels like there isn't that sort of. Um... I don't know, like a, a sort of place where everyone goes, you know, where they're the top of the pops and all that sort of thing. Yeah. I know it's more mainstream, but even on the top of the pops back in the day, you had a, an eclectic mix, sort of, to a certain extent. And yeah. now there isn't really a main hub for, for music um, anywhere. It just seems to be like you've got your music channels, you've got the radio, that's yeah. about it. So a lot of stuff does fall by the wayside. But in, in yeah. um, speaking about the Spanish influence, um, the classical guitar on that EP yeah. is gorgeous of yours. Yeah, cheers. Really nice sound. What what guitar is that? You know, um, it's an unmade Takamini guitar from like nineteen seventy nine. Right, Second right. Second August nineteen seventy nine, actually. Right. Yeah, so um, it's, got, it's on. But it's when they used to make a man-made Takamini. I won't buy one now, a Takamini, because they're yeah. a production line. You know what I mean? But these were proper handmade ones. And I know the guitar maker. And he also has a company in Paraguay now called um, Belushi Guitars or something like that. Or, oh, I think I've heard of them, yeah. The guy's called Belushi, you know what I mean? He's, he's a Paraguayan, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. he's, um, he, he actually, I, I talked to him on Facebook and he said, I actually built your guitar. Oh, and wow. It, what it is, there's this pickup on it, on my guitar. It's a bit worn. I think it just needs, but he said, don't buy a fisherman or anything like that. I said, you need to get the same one. Right. So, I can't find one to replace it, but um, 
but that guitar, yeah, I mean, I've got a, a really good preamp at moments, which is a, a Torn Dexter. Mm. The Torn Dexter adds to it, really. I mean, Mossy told me about this. You know, oh, yeah. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, I used I mean, to work with him, yeah. Yeah, yeah he knows his stuff, man. And uh, well, obviously, we, we, we've done more, we've done a bit of collaboration over the years. He's been on one of the last tracks we've done as well. Right. And, um, yeah, he played with us, actually, at Sunbird a few years ago. We did one about 2000, no, last year, 2019, he played a bit of Bazooki. You know, oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's very multi-talented become, guy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's become a, a, a top bazooki player as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the classical guitar sound. What you hear on this stuff? I mean, uh, I've started to master it a little bit now through like putting it on stage because uh, it's hard for, to taking it from the studio to put it on the stage because, like, yeah. you know, you, you stage thing, you get more of a tinny sound. You don't yeah. get the, the yeah. roll like now on sound, and that's been a thing as well when we've done gigs. It's like to try and get that studio sound what we do and put it on stage it's been, it's been a bit hard to do and really it's like like half an hour to set up or something like that ain't long enough you know what i mean jamie you need to yeah, yeah. That stuff and you will get the results when you get the right people right you know just the right timing and i think it comes down it comes down to what we said last week about venues and yes. their, their capacity to put music yeah. on it, it varies massively um yeah I mean, we we only we don't play any, but we didn't used to play any big places really. I mean, we played King George's and stuff like that, just yeah. bits and pieces like that. But a lot of pubs really shouldn't be putting music on. Yeah. They just shouldn't. I mean, they, they need to do it maybe maybe where it's um, a singer songwriter instead of a band or something like that. Um, yeah. But just sort of don't try and I don't know go too far because you get some bands in some rooms and it just doesn't sound good. And it yeah. puts people off live music, I think. That's why a lot yeah. of people won't go watch it, I think. Because I've been to see a lot of bands myself. You've gone to the room and it's just too much. And you just think, this isn't right. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So, well, yeah, it's an art itself. Live, live sound is a, a real art, you know what I mean? What, what's it called? Um, Ramsey has done really good justice. Yeah. You know, I think he's really put it together, like what they were doing with the uh, with some of the last gigs I've seen there, which were like last year. <laughs> I was listening to the really. yeah, I was listening to the um, the YouTube channel last night with the bands about yeah. and stuff. Absolutely fantastic. I was yeah. I was blown away by some of the artists because I've been out with the loop for a while. Yeah. Um, but I was listening to someone called Terry Burt Whistle. Never oh, really yeah, listened Terry, to him yeah. before. What a fantastic voice he has. Really, yeah. really good. Um, who else did they have on? I was listening to Nort, uh, Jordan Riding, and I was oh, just... Jordan. I love yeah. I mean, Terry Jordan. Yeah. yeah. We've done gigs together before, you know. Yeah, uh, just just everything they had on really. I just had it on sort of loop, and um, re they're really doing a great job there. I think they're like a, a cornerstone of yeah. what we're trying to tap into with the podcast, really. Yeah. Um, have you have you been following the news at all, or is that something you stick away, from, stay away from? Um, I don't have a telly, but I mean, uh, I don't, I don't really see much notice uh, the BBC and stuff like that anymore. I mean, I like David Attenborough. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just can't take it seriously anymore. The news. Well, we've got we've got some more news that um, you might not take seriously. Um, Afi's compiled. <laughs> <laughs> Afi's compiled some of the best uh, news articles. So take it away, Afi. Five interesting news stories. One of them is fake. Now I'm only joking. <laughs> um, the I guess the most interesting one I thought was that monolith in in the desert in Utah. Have you guys heard of that? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I haven't yet. So we're going. Go Basically, on. there's just a mysterious metal monolith in Utah. Oh, this, it's gone now. Oh shit! What? It's gone. It's disappeared. So this this is a story about these sheep counters, which I think's a yeah. wonderful job, and they found this <laughs> monolith. 
it's like it's, a, it's, it's a like a twelve bullet. foot, twelve foot metal just uh, rectangle, just in the middle of the desert, just like it's, it's been there for about they think it's been there for about five or ten years. Uh, going just going off Google Maps information, uh, so um, everyone everyone thinks obviously aliens have done it, but it's clearly not aliens. It's been because you can see the nuts and bolts where it's been put in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's somebody discovered it when they were looking for sheep, and um, it's apparently it's gone. I didn't realize it's gone. I thought it was, yeah. So it's just it's disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the new monolith uh, so, cheetah. <laughs> yes, yeah, as soon as it was discovered, it got it disappeared anyway. So that's the first one. Uh, but what, what were your thoughts on that monolith? I, I think that's a good art, well, art yeah, installation. I, mean, hell, I, mean, I, I would have thought aliens straight away, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't know about it at all. I mean, where's it come from? Well, there's actually an artist, um, and he he uses uh, reflective materials, like he builds houses in the middle of the desert Mm. and things like that. Um, But they're all, like, just mirrored. I'm wondering Mm. if it's the same guy. Maybe it's, like, a prototype or something. So you think it's been implanted? Yeah, I think it's it's either an artist or it's a film set. It's definitely well, an artist, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Like the Banksy of, where is it from? Utah. Utah. Oh, Utah. Utah. Yeah. Not much else to do there, is there? So. If, if it was something <laughs> Yeah, if it was somewhere like in the middle of, I don't know, Africa or something, you might be a bit yeah. different, but Utah, it's like, oh, someone's done that on there. What's the next story, Afi? So this is a nice one. Uh, egg fight at Tesco after woman was told to shush for Remembrance Sunday silence. Very... <laughs> Very, very British story. Uh, well, I, I, I heard about that one as well. That's a bit weird, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's like uh, everything goes to extremes on it, really. You know what I mean? It's like, just uh, a, yeah. Just, yeah a very, mean, just a very British story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it? It is in a sense like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course it is. But, you know, yeah. people went out there, did the job and whatever, you know what I mean? But some, some people, I don't know. I, I mean, I went there, I mean, the, the embellished things, they make it a bit out of proportion and stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I heard about it, you just like, I'm thinking, my God, it's a bit dirty, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> feel bad for the people after fucking clean those eggs up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a lesson there, just, you know what I mean? Monument, you know. There was a uh, woman who, who knocked over shitloads of booze, like in Aldi. Yeah. Like, she just took her arm and, like, pushed loads of this yeah? booze over. Just because they told her to wear a mask. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's where we are at the moment. You yeah. see... It, you see too many of them in America. Yeah, well, this was yeah. in England. Oh, was it in England? Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, for the air towel there at the moment, it's like people getting one. It's like we went into, um, where did we go the week? We went into uh, Starbucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Starbucks up uh, Queen's Park. You know, not Queen's Park, what is it? Anyway, the anyway, yeah. Biden Hospital is. Yeah. Mm. And um, anyway, it was just a bit weird. And she, the one who told me to sign in, no, I haven't got the app. I got the app yeah. on my phone, and I hadn't got the app on my phone because there were no room on it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It was full of memories. So I said, "So I said, I'll just sign my name in." She was, she was, it was just the way it was. She was really aggressive about yeah. it as well. This, yeah. it, it was like, how, it was almost like, "How dare you not have a yeah a phone?" <laughs> that yeah, exactly. This, yeah. This what app. is this all about? Do you know what I mean? I thought I'll sign my name. I'll give him if he wants it to be tracked and traced. I'll give you my name and address if you want. Yeah. And I went taking that. Yeah. That's weird. It's Starbucks, though, isn't it? You know what I mean? Because you can't expect everyone to have a phone that has that capability. But then but the government's yeah, a bit like that as well. It's like they expect like old age women who have no idea of like 
anything to do with computers to mm. put and they've put everything online and they expect yeah. them to know how to yeah you know navigate through all this stuff yeah what's the next story Afi? the next one yeah. uh this will be close after your heart jamie policeman sacked after scanning carrots to buy donuts so, <laughs> yeah. he scanned he scanned a barcode for carrots worth 7p to purchase 10 pounds a 10 pound box of a Krispy Kreme donuts a policeman policeman Wait, did that, that. <laughs> I mean, was it deliberately yeah oh uh yeah <laughs> he said he, he said he made an honest mistake oh, oh it's, okay. a, it's, a, it's another Tesco story actually so in Tesco <laughs> Get his donuts, for 20 donuts and he thought that was right oh, it's crazy isn't it really? do you know what, what I mean what is it with policemen and donuts, though? What, why do they like? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is a definite connection, isn't there? It's like, um, yeah. Criminal lads, come on. Another one here. Um, Half-naked man seen humping trees and nibbling their branches. <laughs> by police. Oh, okay. hey, Who was, was that? Where, 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 did he, where did he catch him? What town was it? <laughs> Let's have a look. Uh, I'm going to sec. I'm going to find out what town it was. Definitely. Like, crazy. You, you should see this guy's mugshot. You, if you see this guy's face, you'll definitely think he's a tree shagger. Uh, <laughs> did, they not, what did, he, did they not get a clip on him? Oh, this is great to have a clip of that one. <laughs> <laughs> this is in America. This is in Connecticut in America. Right. Uh, uh, there you go. Tree shagger. It, it might be on Bubble or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Americans are, are fucking crazy, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to love it, though. You've got to love how they, they give you some entertainment, though, don't they? Oh, yeah. I'm surprised it's not Florida, to be honest. It's usually a Florida man, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, usually a Florida man, yeah. <laughs> so. uh, and then the last one I've got takes a very another international one. This one is uh, Austria. Uh, tired of Sniggers, Austrian village tweaks its name to Fugging. So I guess you, you know what it was before. Oh! <laughs> What's it wasn't yes. called that. The town of fucking has changed its name <laughs> oh. to fucking. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, uh, in the Austrian village of fucking, it's changed its name. It's oh, this right. this yeah. reminds me of when I, I used to drive a van up and down the country for deliveries. Man, I used to do I used to do deliveries up and down the country. Well. <laughs> yeah. I, I had this guy in, in uh, the passenger seat with me, and we drove from. Um, Lancashire to, to London and we were around London all week and all he did all week was Google funny names of places <laughs> and we were in hysterics all week. There's a place down south called Wanker's Corner. Is there? Yeah. yeah. There's, well, there's... What, I like about, what I like about this one is this in 2018 the pornographic website Pornhub said it was offering free premium access to residents of fucking and also towns with the names such as Tits in Germany or Big Beaver in Pennsylvania. <laughs>
where the gig, uh, sorry, years ago, we were doing a, a rehearsal for a gig and there were a sign and it, like it said, Ike Crington. And it, this American guy said, are you going to play AC Crington? <laughs> <laughs> like, Tried to get away from there. Like, Honestly, like Ike Crington. Oh, weird. <laughs> <AC> Crington. <laughs> that is how, how would an American pronounce Ike Crington? Accrington, yeah. It's a bit weird. Are you going to Accrington tonight? There's a killer show on. It's sick. I'm gonna blow the fucking roof off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was my that was my new stories. Well, that was uh, I really enjoyed that segment. Yeah, there. yeah. Oh, that was absolutely amazing. The tree jacket, you know I me. Mean? <laughs> what was your favourite story out of all them? That was the tree jacket. I think definitely the tree shagger. I think was there a guy from Blackburn that uh, arrested for shagging a chicken recently? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, we're in daily sports or something. <laughs> That's why we've got an outburst of avian flu. You know. Yeah, oh, maybe. Yeah. It would be avian flu if you stuck your dick up here, wouldn't it? It would fly right out fucking window. Um, yeah, I think he shagged two, two chickens in a, in a great day. Which is quite a strange collection of things to... I thought yeah. that was the beginning of a job. No, no. <laughs> it's, in the, it's, it's been on the, in the papers in a very trusted source called the Lancashire Telegraph. Ooh. Have oh, yeah. you ever heard of it? It's all true. Even Telegraph's spelled wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Well, it's been a... I think that's it. We've gotten to an hour. Uh, do you want to tell us about what the future holds for you, Luca? What are you planning to do after um, lockdown before we go? Well, we, we've been doing a lot of instrumental stuff at the moment, and it's uh, we've done a piece called The Cyclist, which me and Dan uh, started doing in the summertime. Like, I think you, I've never seen it for three months, and we started working on bits in June when we, when we could actually meet. And it's like a 12 minute piece. Uh, we've got a piece called My Horse in a Glass Jar, uh, The Exterminating Angel, which is about, well, I don't want to use the term lockdown, but it's like a Mongolian expression of um like being stuck into your into your place basically because they say they don't say like how are you doing they say how's your horse doing and this is like because they talk very nomadic you know in, in mongolia it's still still the same thing and so uh, there's this expression about uh my horse in a glass jar which is depicting the lockdown scenario like like you can't go anywhere kind of thing yeah so we've done a piece like that and it's um and there's a bit called the Exterminating Angel about um, it's like not being able to leave the house. There's, a, there's an artist called Louis Buñuel who did this uh, film years ago, The Exterminating Angel. It's about these people who can't get out of the house, they can't leave, and something happens all the time to not let, let them leave the house. Right, and, right. Uh, but it's like that, it's the kind of concept of that really as well, and about um, about the vaccine, maybe I don't know. It's just uh, I'm not sure about what it is that really. Do you know what I mean? I don't. Mm. I, don't I can't really trust it in a way. So it's it's kind of like a a beautiful thing, but like at the same time, it's uh, it's something what's kind of gonna exterminate this kind of thing. Because <laughs> that's the kind of what people are talking about. You know what I mean? At the moment, yeah, yeah. Like you think is it gonna kill us? It will be good for us. In terms of lyrics, then do you feel like you're? Because for me, I don't really write from a personal level that much. I'm always yeah. holding up a mirror because um, so, it's always satire about what people are saying. I could be 
like we've got a song that we were, we were trying to write before we um, broke up a bit ago and before we got yeah. back together called I Like Colouring In and it's basically like loads of stupid shit that people come out with and then the chorus is just I Like Colouring In and I've just got this idea of me and a dun sat in the corner scribbling my heart away do you know what I mean so do, do you feel you write lyrics that are personal not necessarily that they wouldn't be personal if you were holding a mirror up because it's still you or, or do you feel like you're writing from other people's perspectives rather than your own? A bit of both, really. I a bit think both. I, I think I'm, it's like a, it is a journey. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And whatever is on the journey, I kind of, I, I write whatever comes in the head, really. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not frightened of saying what I, what I think, you know. Mm. I mean, per- you know, to, yeah. Personally, for me, with the film we were talking about, Workmeister Harmonies, that yeah. Janos, the main, the main guy, yeah. I try and write as if I'm him. Because uh, he doesn't really do anything in the film, he just talks yeah. to people and gets their. Yeah. But the only thing he does in the film is explain how the universe sort of yeah. works, and then for the rest of the film, he's sort of just like he's just observing. He's like a voyeur all the way through. It's great, and, isn't it? That's what I try and channel, if you will, when I'm writing in a perverted, weird, stupid way. <laughs> really, aren't you? I mean, that was... Yeah, that, exactly. Stuff, isn't it? When, 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 they, when they get that whale and it's, it's show its eyes... It's got, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal scene, is that really? It's, it's a massive... Yeah, it's a massive sort of just... Um, uh, a metaphor. Um, yeah. Just of... I don't know, it's something you wouldn't ever see yourself you're yeah, just a yeah. dead massive whale on a table and, yeah. and it's and somehow that's you know controlling people to act just the camera it's like it, yeah it's like if, if, you, if you said oh there's aliens yeah. and then everyone would just go fucking berserk because they've never seen it it's, it's, it's weird it's, it's a i'm sure there's a, a lot better metaphors for it so i think i remember watching someone uh, a video about it and they were talking about how it could be something to do with um like political shifts from yeah. like communism to you know, democracy, whatever, and all that sort of thing. So, but yeah, I mean, for me, I, I don't really like knowing exactly what the film's about or a piece of music's about. Yeah. I like making it all myself. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, there's enough of that in Damnation and Great Master Diaries. No, I mean, there's lot, there's loads of stuff with with Bill and that's what it's all about. Like David Lynch, you know, you can make your own mind up a little bit, you know. Yeah. Because it is, it can be about that. It can be about something else, and that's twenty different meanings to it. I like it. Yeah. I think that's what makes art important. I don't know about yourself, but for me, when I've made a song or made something, yeah. it doesn't really belong to me anymore. Like other yeah. people's interpretations are much more yeah. exciting to me than what I already yeah. you know. You've got to believe it. I mean, you've got to marry it, kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what yeah. David Lee says as well about an idea. Never throw an idea away. He said, always like record. I do this anyway. You know, I mean, I record everything. I write it down. Because I mean, the times are not having an amazing idea, and you, you you miss it. You don't make any recollection of it. You know, it's, yeah. it's the most annoying thing in the world. And I, I think last year I wrote the best song of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what it were, um, I forgot it. I didn't write it down, but it ruined me head. I could do everything, I, and I couldn't get to the guitar. I just, um, I just didn't. Do- it was the best piece of all time, mate. Better than Mozart. <laughs> Funnily fun, fun, fun enough, I was listening to uh, a podcast with Christine McVie uh, of yeah. Fleetwood Mac. Or it was, I think it was the um, Desert Island discs yeah. on BBC. And she was talking about when she wrote Songbird. And um, they basically said, like, how did it come about? And she said, yeah. um, she was... Grosser, Jamie. 
Oh, like sorry. Three, like, I'll, re- I'll re- yeah. yeah, no problem. Yeah, you went on a freeze. You had to go. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, she was saying, like, um, they were asking how she wrote Songbird, and she don't sleep with Mac Mad on drugs and all that sort yeah. of thing. <laughs> she was actually, um, she couldn't sleep because she took a load of cocaine, and yeah. she was drinking a lot, and she had this song in her head. She said, I have to write it down. I have to record it. So she's got this little um, four-track or whatever, and she recorded Songbird, and that's, yeah. you know, for me, one of, the most beautiful songs I could hear, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. So I completely agree with having to write everything down because if she didn't, we won't have that song. So, you know, it's uh, it's one of them. But, uh, but yeah, it's been lovely uh, talking to you anyway, Luke. It's lovely it's to meet you, finally. Right? <laughs> it's, it's good this, really. Got me up early this morning. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's been lovely speaking to you. I, I felt... Like I was doing something and I've achieved something. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we really appreciate you being on. Uh, it's one of the early days for us, and obviously we'd love to have you in studio. We'll uh, we'll get you in when we're, yeah, uh, yeah, well, we're, we're all sorted. Yeah, we're going to do some sessions down here. That's another thing, Jamie, as well. Uh, happy, you know, we're going to do the West Pennine sessions, and what we're going to do is uh, because we know it's going to be difficult for people to have any live shows now, we're going to do something here. Right. And we're going to film it. And we're going to record it and do an interview, like like a whistle test kind of. KXP thing. Brilliant. And we're going to do a full Monty of the band. We're going to multi track it. So we'll right. record like 16 channels like simultaneously. And we're going to do it, man. We'll have the visuals all over the place. And it'll, Definitely. And we'll edit it. And instead of doing it, broadcasting it live, we'll just do it as a, as a, like a DVD or it, it can be shown. You know well, what I mean? it's, it's a immersive experience rather yeah. than people are getting sick of like Zoom calls and Zoom concerts yeah. and things like that, I think. Yeah. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with them, but you can tell with how many people watch them now yeah. it's like dropped. Yeah. We, we want a bit of professionalism back, don't we, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, you know, something interesting. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, just as, as another thing, is my mates in Portugal did a, you know, the Brad and Meteor did a concert and did edit it and everything, but they did like a, a showing and they did a countdown and everything. So they did like a 30 second countdown, you know, the old screen and, you know, the old numbers and stuff like that. And the clipping board thing. Nice. And it were really good. It were like, you could feel the tension building up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they did it, you know what I mean? And it were like, it, it got people out to do it, you know, they're saying it's going to be nine o'clock at such and such a time. And I was just there, I sat there with some Prosecco. Yeah. I do yeah. like women's drinks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and ale. But yeah, Prosecco's yeah. good, but there's something in that. I think they put LSD in it or something. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I'm kind of just wasting for it. And I thought, yeah, what a, what a great night I had. Yeah. And it, and it were then playing in somewhere like um, um, when then on, on the edge of the cliff, I can't think where it is now, where Columbus were, um, where he apparently sailed off. All right. To, no, to find <laughs> India. Anyway, what we're saying is, uh, like, we, we need to do it where it's not live and it, it's going to might cut off or something, but we do a, a proper edited version of it. We mm. put it out there. And it's properly done. Do you know what I'm saying? What, what, what I'd like to see myself yeah. is, is, like you said, with the, the old grey whistle test. I'd yeah. love myself to be like yeah. a presenter yeah. of um, of a show like that. I just I think, think that's something we're missing. Yeah, and we got Philippa doing stuff. Yeah. We could get you doing the other parts yeah. of it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like it's like Jules Holland, isn't it? It's like great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, so we could make, Welcome from <laughs> We could we could make it an extension of this though. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it's something that needs to happen. It needs to be a show that's uh, consistent is, the, is yeah. the number one. Good quality and and top you know top bands. And to be honest, from when I've been listening to 
you know, just listening to what's on uh, local YouTube channels and stuff, there are so many good bands out there that yeah. are underrepresented. Like, I've never heard yours before, Luke Cole, ne- never yeah. heard them. And uh, when I heard of like that top quality musicianship, really, really good. So well, I thought, the recent stuff is a lot better, Jamie. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm looking forward to it, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I kind of with me and me and Dan have been spending a lot of time writing together as well. Do you know what I mean? Me and the drumming percussionist, which is like guitar and drums. And, the, and then John comes and puts his bass on, and it's like, yes, we've got it together. I mean, Joe, we haven't seen her. We've seen her once because of the, the scenario. She's in the other side of Manchester. Right. So we've not been able to get her over. We've done one recording session with her, but then times will come again. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just going to bass, obviously. We didn't predict what was happening, and um, we've had an alley orchestra string player playing on some music as well. So, right. you know, this, is all, this is all news for you to hear, you know? Yeah. So, um, well, I'm really looking forward to it, Luke. Yeah. So, um, Likewise, guys. It's been lovely talking to you. I just want to say thank you to Afi and David for being here today. I'm sorry that we couldn't be in the uh, yeah. yeah, sorry we couldn't right, be in the studio. We will get back, um, hopefully in a fortnight or so when everything's calmed down because uh, COVID. Yeah. So, anyway, lovely speaking to you, Luke Cole, and uh, take care. Take care, bye. guys. See you bye. 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 Bye.